was thinking about uh, our purpose and position, and I'm going to talk about that this week and next week. Um, turn to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to start there. But um, I was thinking about a gal. She uh, had lost her husband, and he had left her a $50,000 life insurance policy. And one of her friends came to her and said, wow, what are you going to do with that $50,000? She goes, well, I spent $22,000 on a memorial stone. She goes, you spent how much? $22,000? She goes, yeah, it was three carats, but it's always going to remind me of him. <laughs> and uh, so anyway. Lord, we just pray right now that you just open our hearts and our minds to not only to be hearers of the word, but become doers, to take it in so that it can produce fruit in our lives. So, Lord, open up our hearts, remove distractions, and Holy Spirit, just allow it to get planted deep within us. We ask it in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about my life, and I thought, I grew up in a church where I always felt like I was never good enough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They were very restrictive on what you could or couldn't do, and you were constantly getting hell, fire, and brimstone preached at you, and you were always at the altar, but you never felt like you were good enough. And I never heard a lot about grace. I never heard a lot about God's mercy, and, and if they didn't preach it, a lot of the women of the church would come and get us and take us to the altar as young boys and young men and young gals and everything, and they would get us on the altar and keep us there for hours, and, and so I had a real struggle believing that I was good enough. I was taught that I had to toe the line or I'd be left behind. And I remember preachers saying, if he comes at midnight and you've got one sin in your life, to hell you'll go because he's going to leave you behind. And I was like, oh, i got to get to the altar. And that's the truth. That's how I was raised. Full of fear. Didn't understand the love of God. Didn't understand the struggle that was going on. I want you to look, at me, look with me at... Numbers chapter 13. You see, I did not know who I was in Christ, so I lived in fear. I allowed failure to dominate all my decisions because I never felt good enough. And I think there's a lot of folks that go through that. That's why we do the things we've done at the church, Socom, School of Kingdom Ministry, a lot of the small groups, helping to build people up so that they can understand who they are in Christ. That yes, God is a holy God, but he has a lot of grace for us. Amen? And he saw every sin, past, present, and future, and he still died for us. That's incredible to me. That's incredible. In Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 through 33, and they came to Moses and Aaron. These are the 12 sp uh, spies that went out to spy out the promised land. And they came to Moses, and they came to Aaron, and they said, there's great fruit in this land. There's all kinds of amazing things in this land. 
And they're giving them the report of all the, the plenty that existed there. But then they said to them, there are giants in this land. Now, they had spent time in the wilderness traveling to get to the promised land. And only two out of the 12 said, we can take this land. But the other 10, one of them makes a statement at the very last verse there in 33. Let's look at that. And he said, and, I, and there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who, became, who the Nephilim came from. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. All of a sudden, instead of saying, God told you to go and possess the promised land, they go and they're like, we can't take it. God had made a covenant with them that they were able to go in and take the land, but they had forgot about the covenant. He was going to go before them. How many times has God directed our steps allowed us to go a direction that he's pointed us to, but yet because we felt so unworthy or we didn't trust his word or his direction or the leading of the Holy Spirit, we stopped and we thought, I'm just a grasshopper. I can't do this. And I believe that's what's happened to the church in America. We've bought into what the world's been selling. We've decided we were going to back away, not cause any conflict, not stand up for righteousness. You know, I was just a child when Roe versus Wade happened. But there were many adults that could have stood up and made a statement. But I determined that when I became an adult that I would stand up for righteousness and I would make statements. And I thank the Lord for the things that God has taught me through church all those years. But once I learned, and really it was through Apples of Gold, Rational Christian Thinking, a class there, um, and Family Systems, I learned who I was and I learned how patterns tend to continue on and then soak them was another help. I understood that when God tells us in his word that he's going to do this, we need to trust him. But they decided not to trust him. So for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. The promised land was right there, but they just kept circling and circling. And God was so upset with them because they didn't believe his word, his covenant. He said, you won't see the promised land. And only Caleb and Joshua got to see it and go in and possess it. Now, I want to be a Caleb, an 80-year-old man when they get to the promised land, and he says, listen, that was my area there. I don't need anybody's help. I'm going to go take it. I should have done this 40 years ago, but you decided you didn't want to do it, but I'm going, and I'm going to take it. You see, there is no retirement in the kingdom of heaven. Turn to somebody and say, you can't retire. You can't retire in the kingdom of heaven. And... Listen to me. People don't care how you start out. But they care very much on how you finish. I can pastor this church 40 years, 
But if I go out and get lost in all kinds of ungodliness and sin, you're not going to remember those 40 years. You're going to remember how Pastor Owen finished. And I've been in the hospital many times with men and women of God who are freaking out, scared to death. They're not going to heaven. I did this. I did that. He's not going to forgive me. I'm not going to make it. And I know I'm not being extreme. That's how it sounded. And I had to shush them and say, you gave your heart to Jesus. Finish strong in this. Because you have children and grandchildren and sometimes great-grandchildren watching you. That's why everybody wants the rapture to take place. So they don't have to die. I still believe it's a long ways off. I don't think I'll see the rapture of the church. I think it will come after I'm gone. Now, some of you say, oh, oh, it's getting so bad. It's not that bad yet. When it gets as bad as the Bible says it's going to be, oh, my goodness. I'm hoping I've died before that happened. You see, death doesn't scare me. Death doesn't scare me. When I've told the Lord when... You're ready for me. Please take me. Don't let me linger. I don't want to be a lingering saint. I don't want to be the people that I used to go, because I loved MCL when I would go over there and eat, and they would sit there. I love their food. By myself at lunch, I would go eat, and they're all, there's all these retired people. Oh, my arm. My arthritis, my hip replacement. Oh, my heart's failing. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is a depressing place. <laughs> if you're listening to conversation. But I was sitting there saying, oh, this is good food. Oh, this is good food. Give me some more of that cherry pie. And I'm not knocking on the elderly, but I don't want to be a complainer. Come on now. I don't want to be a burden. Because the Son has set me free. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I don't want to get wrapped up in that. Amen? So I wanted to start out with that story about the Israelites not believing what God said he would do. Not believing they were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Not believing it. And I want to encourage you today... You have purpose in your position, where you are today, at this moment, at this time. I was telling some folks the other day, I said, you know, we think about Esther and we think about the story of Esther. I said the hero in the book of Esther was Mordecai. He had done the right things. And, all, and the king started remembering Mordecai. Well, there was a guy that did this. I need to honor him. I need to bring him through the streets and parade him because he was a righteous man. You see, Gen Z will never accomplish what God wants them to accomplish if the Mordecais don't rise up and lead and encourage them and instruct them and help them see this is what God has for you that you were born for such a time as this. Because I believe great things can happen with this generation. And they can raise up and rise up and do mighty things, but it takes the Mordecais 
and the mortaresses, whatever, <laughs> to say, let me help you see what God is doing in this situation, in this time, because you were born for such a time as this. Very important that we get that. The Israelites failed to understand who they were, God's people, and the covenant. Go possess the land. And I believe the biggest struggle in churches today, even in marriages, even with teenagers, is they don't know who they are in Christ. Now, I appreciated Pastor Taylor yesterday, our last Sunday, doing some teaching and talking about what he does with the youth because they need a foundation to walk out Jesus because the devil doesn't come to the front door of your house. He finds cracks in your foundation just like a little snake or lizard, and he works his way in. You need a solid foundation to stand on, a solid foundation. Until we understand who we are and what we have in Christ, we will not fulfill all that he has planned for us. Let me say that again. Until we understand who we are and what we have in Christ, we will not fulfill all that he has planned for us. Let me say that one more time. Until we understand who we are and what we have in Christ, we will not fulfill all that he has planned for us. And he has great things planned for you. Will there, will there be trials? Absolutely. Will there be struggles? Yeah. Will there be frustrations? Absolutely. If you're not frustrated yet as a teenager, wait till you get married. And he or she starts sanding on you. As iron sharpens iron, we sharpen one another. I'm all pro-marriage, but I want to tell you, when you get married, you have to learn to die to you. And you don't learn it in the first 10 years, the first 20 years, the first 30 years. How many years have we been married? There is sanding that goes on your entire married life. Amen? Because the I in me wants to rise up, and Shaloi brings out the hammer, and she nails that thing right back down. Because the Lord is teaching us what it's like to serve Him by serving one another. And the dying to me is a daily battle. What does Paul say? Things I don't want to do, I do. Things I don't want to say, I say. Things that I know I should do, I don't do. Things that I know I should say, I don't say. You know, when you first start dating... And you look into their eyes, and I saw that blue ocean just flowing in her blue eyes. And I saw that beautiful smile, and I thought, ooh, I just want to touch those beautiful lips. And when I, the first time I touched those lips, I was like, oh my gosh. I was Twitter-pated. I was like, thumper. And you know, after 40 years of marriage, when I touch those lips, I'm still a thumper. 
I'm still Twitter-pated because I love her. She still brings out the thumper <laughs> to thump me. But God is faithful because we've learned to grow together and we've learned that we can disagree but not have a war. Come on. There is hope and despair. Say that with me. Hope in despair. As we look at our banners for the next couple of years, grace to grow, we want to engage, we want to equip, we want to edify, we want to empower. Ephesians 4, I'm actually going to start at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to measure, to the measure of a stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, that is powerful. So we have the grace to grow. We've got to give each other grace, amen? amen. You're not like me and I'm not like you. Thank you, Jesus. Look at your spouse and say, thank you, you're not like me. Tell them that right now. Thank you that you're not like me. Then he goes on in Matthew 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God's saying, not only am I going to help you mature in unity and grow and sharpen one another, I'm going to give you the keys to make a difference wherever you are. When a coworker is laying out all their problems and all their struggles, when they're done, just say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I think about Kyle, who's here this morning, 34 years old, had a massive heart attack. And I was praying with Ashley on the phone, and I sent Taylor up there, and Taylor prayed with him. And then she called me back a little bit later and said, he's opened his eyes. And they're telling him two or three weeks that he's going to be intensive care and everything. And by the end of that week, he is walking out of the hospital, and they are amazed. Whatever you bind, whatever you loose, there's power in prayer. God wants to demonstrate his power. Pray about everything. Yeah, but my boss doesn't like me. Oh, my neighbor can't stand me. Pray for him. Bless him. Pray blessings. It's amazing when you pray blessings upon them. It's not a competition. It's not I win, they lose. No, it's about serving and sacrificing and dying to self. Amen? Man, if we could get that, we could really bring that unity that God wants. The other thing I want you to understand is 
It took the Israelites 40 years after they disobeyed God to get to where they were going. I'm not telling you, some of you, it's going to take 40 years, but some of you have denied what God told you to do. You have run away from it. You have pushed it aside, and that's why you're in the wilderness you're in right now. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to say, man, I'm in a wilderness because I didn't obey the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Say, God, bring that back around. Bring that back around. Because I'll, I'll do it. That's for somebody this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Man, God's got a purpose. The very first point this morning is this. What is the will of God for you? What is the will of God for you? There is a plan and a purpose that you have in Christ that he has designated specifically for your life. I think about when Melissa and Addison opened up their business, they didn't know what was coming with a lot of the stuff that was going on but the lives that they were able to touch, save, encourage. You never know what God, but is there a price to do it? Absolutely. How many people here, you've started your own business? Let me see your hand. How many know it's never easy at the beginning, amen? And if it is easy, watch out. But God's got a purpose. You've got to continue on. You've got to say, God, I'm going to make myself available to accomplish your will in this situation. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in me, it says you, but in me, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's a lifetime journey. Raising children is a lifetime journey. Because they bring in grandchildren and great-grandchildren. It never ends. And it's a great thing. But it's a journey. Grandkids come over and you love them so much and they got a runny nose or they're, you're holding them and they spit up on you or they cough in your face and then three days later you're like. <coughs> God brought them in to build your immune system up. I remember when Jared was about two and Shaloid handed him off to me and and I'm holding him, and I'm looking at him, and all of a sudden, he had been sick, and he just covered me <laughs> with you-know-what. And I went, ugh, ugh. Uh. She's like, just hold him. Uh. And I was about to, 
until she went to get some stuff to clean him up. Sometimes the journey gets a little dirty. Sometimes the call is painful. Hello? We've got to understand that. But pastor, my circumstances are so bad. You don't know. You've lived a cush life. <laughs> you don't understand my marriage. You don't understand what I went through. You're right. I'm not you. But I just read God's got a purpose and a plan for you. He's going to get you through us. Through this. You hear me say this all the time, but it's true. You need to suck it up, Buttercup. Whoever said life was full of roses, forgot if they're in your bed, you're going to lay on those thorns. <laughs> David in Psalm 138.8 says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. We all have a part in the body of Christ. Romans 12, 3 through 6. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Come on now. For all those that walk in pride and arrogance and you think you're something special in the kingdom of God, you need to tone it down. Be sober-minded. If you're pointing the finger at somebody that failed and you're highlighting all their failures, be careful because if you're not careful, there goes you. There goes you. We have to be careful. Very careful. Let's keep reading there. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we through many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Here's what I don't like about people in the body of Christ. Well, hallelujah, I'm a prophet. <laughs> Praise God, I'm prophetic. Well, hallelujah, I'm a preacher. Well, hallelujah, I'm a teacher, and if you don't do it the way I say you ought to do it, well, let me help you out. You cannot project your gift on other people. And the problem in the body of Christ is we're telling everybody what they have to do based on what we do instead of saying you do what God's called you to do based on how he's gifted you and don't project on others who you are. Well, I'm against abortion. I'm against abortion too. Well, how come you're not out there? And you're standing on the highway with a sign protesting abortion. Because God didn't tell me to go out to the highway and hold a sign. But if he's told you to do it, that's great. I'm all for you. But don't condemn me because I'm not out there. We have to learn to quit expecting others to be who we are. They're part of the body. One may be a hand, one may be a foot. Shaloi's a hand. I'm the bottom. She uses the hand on the bottom. <laughs> She'll like that. 
Same here, somebody said, with their stuff. Second point, embrace God's purpose. Embrace God's purpose for your life. We've got to be able to do that. He will fulfill his purpose in you. I have a set of church keys. There's about eight keys on it. There's a little fob that gets me in the church. But sometimes when it's really cold and I get out of the car and I get there and I'm fumbling to try to get the right key and it's cold and then you get it in there and the lock's frozen. And I'm going, (laughs) trying to warm it up, but it's not working. So I pull the fob out and I'm hitting the fob and it's just going bop, bop. But, but it's not working. And I fumble around, and I struggle. Can I tell you something? God still loves me. I can still have a great day. I can still trust him because eventually I find the key. I get it in. I turn it the right way, or I go to the different door, and I get it unlocked, and I get in. Sometimes life is fumbling through keys to find out exactly what is it God has for us. What is it that God has for us? Maybe I'm at the wrong door today. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Last Battle, the children open a stable door expecting a smelly, dusty stable. And when they open up the door, it opens into this beautiful field of flowers and trees but they thought they were going to go into a dirty stable, but it opens up. Sometimes when you think that you're rattling the door and it doesn't look very good on this side, when you walk through, it's amazing how great it is on the other side. We've got to trust God as we walk through doors. Embracing his purpose, knowing that he's in charge. Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those that are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many believers. We hear Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's easy to say it, but it's hard to practice it. It's hard to practice it. I like what A.W. Tozer said. When I asked the question, who are you? A.W. Tozer says, to be right, we must think right. You need to know who you are. And when you understand who you are in Jesus, a child of the king, a person that has heaven for them, a person that has forgiveness available, a person that receives grace and mercy every day, a person that God says, trust me in this, we have to be able to believe that. As a believer in Christ, we're accepted, we're secure, we're significant. 1 Peter 2.9 says we're a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people, for his own possession that we that you might proclaim the excellencies of him 
who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's amazing. I'm going to have you put on the screen. This is out of um, Neil Anderson's book. And it's just a great set of scriptures and circumstances that, and statements that we need to be able to understand. I am accepted in Christ. John 1.12, I am God's child. Come on now. When I say these, you say amen. I want to make sure you're still awake. I am God's child. John 15, 15, I am Christ's friend. Romans 5, 1, I have been justified. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, I am united with the Lord and the one and one in, in the spirit. 2 Corinthians 6, 20, I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. That's good right there. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I am a member of Christ's body. I really like this one because Shaloi uses this scripture on me all the time. Ephesians 1, 1, I am a saint. How many are saints? Oh, my gosh, only half of you lifted your hand. What's wrong with you? How many are saints? Let me see your hand. We're all saints if we know the Lord. Come on now. Ephesians 1, 5, I have been adopted as God's child. So important. Ephesians 2.18, I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Colossians 1.14, my amens are getting weaker. Colossians 1.14, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Amen. Come on, now that's good right there. I better say that one more time. Because some of you, you've been some stinking sinners, I'm telling you. Raunchy, dirty, so have I. So let's just say it one more time because it's so good. So good. Colossians 1.14, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Man, Mike, you should have just stood up there and said, Dad, that's you. I mean, just point him out. Romans 8, 1 and 2, I am free forever from condemnation. Now, that's for somebody this morning. You keep beating yourself up because of the past. Or you've got a friend beating you up or a family member. Romans 8.28, I am assured that all things work together for good. Amen. Romans 8.35, I cannot be separated from the love of God. Ooh. Amen. Oh, that's good. You cannot be separated from the love of God when you're in the kingdom. That is so good. This is not doing for you what it's doing for me. Second Corinthians 1.21, I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. Amen. Colossians 3.3, 3, I am hidden with Christ in God. Amen. Philippians 1.6, I am confident that all the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. Amen. You see, the problem is by the time we get 70 or 80, we are so good <laughs> and so perfected, it goes to our head. And then some of you say, man, if I knew what I knew at 80 and could go back to be 20. No, you don't want to go back and be 20. <laughs> Believe me, you don't want to do that. Philippians 3.20, I'm a citizen of heaven. Yeah. 2 Timothy 1.7, I have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Your spouse keeps pointing out that you're brain damaged or you're dame damaged. No, you just need to go and get 
2 Timothy, you just need to start quoting that to him. Come on now. <laughs> Hebrews 4.18, I can find grace and mercy in the time of need. Amen. 1 John 5.18, I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. <laughs> That's good right there. Now you're significant in Christ. Matthew 5, 13 and 14, I am the salt and the light of the earth. I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. John 15, 16, I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Come on now. Acts 1, 8, I am a personal witness of Christ. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have no problem being a witness. That is the biggest sign of being filled with the Spirit, is you are able to witness for Jesus. Well, I'm shy, I'm an introvert. That don't happen in the kingdom of God. A spirit-filled person is not shy about giving a testimony about what Jesus has done for them. Let's keep going here. 1 Corinthians 3.16, I am God's temple. Ooh. 2 Corinthians 5.17-20, I am a minister of reconciliation. Oh, that's good. That's good. You got to hang on to that one. Ephesians 2.6, I am sealed with Christ in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 3.12, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Some of you need that. You're scared to go to him in prayer. You're scared to talk to him about something. You need to go back to Ephesians 3.12 and say, I can approach you with freedom and confidence. And then Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we understand who we are and how we walk, we have purpose. I'm going to continue this message next week. Stand with me. We'll get to the rest of the fill in the blanks next week. I always have people coming up to me after service. Can you give me the rest of the fill in the blanks (laughs) next week? I just want you to bow your heads this morning. Some of you are going to go back there. If you've been a visitor here in the last six months, and maybe you're here today as a visitor, back in the children's wing after the service, we're having pizza with the pastors for first-time guests. And all that signed up, but maybe you didn't sign up, Adam and I will sacrifice our pizza for you. But you come back there and meet us. We want to meet you. But I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Are you struggling with your identity in Christ? Don't you understand that you are to engage others? God wants you to help equip others. He wants you to edify others. He wants you to empower others because he wants unity in the body. Some of you are struggling in your own family. You're not forgiving. You're not releasing. You're not engaging. You're not equipping. You're not edifying. You're not empowering. God says, lay you down. And be all that Jesus wants you to be. Amen? Listen, hurting people hurt people. Happens all the time. You don't know what they've come out of, what they've sacrificed, and why they're acting the way they're acting. But God tells you to love them anyway. Christians, I just want you to pray right now. If you're here this morning, and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... He loves you so much. All those scriptures are about those that are in Christ, and you can become a believer, and all those scriptures will apply to your life. If you don't know Christ this morning, nobody looking around, you say, Owen, I want to receive Jesus. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me this morning? 
I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Just lift it up high, just for a moment. Yes, 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 yes. Four or five hands. Anybody else? I want to receive Christ. You can put it down. Anybody else? I want to receive Christ this morning. So important. I want that. I want that. If you lifted your hand, nobody else is looking around. Would you come and stand right here and just face me? Just come on. Don't wait on anybody else. You lifted it up this morning. That's right. Step out. That's right. Come on up here. Come on up here. Bring, it, bring your friend that brought you to church. Bring them up here with you. There's four or five hands that did that. Just come right over here, man. Stand right here. Come on over here. I know there's others. Christians, just bow your heads. I'm not trying to embarrass you. The Bible says, are you willing to confess me before men? Talking about Jesus. Come on, if you lifted your hand, would you please come up? Just, just come up for a moment. We're going to let you go. Christians are praying. Thank you, Lord. Just going to wait a moment. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you know what? You're saying, this is my day. I want to have what that, those scriptures say. I want to be accepted. I want to be significant. I want to be secure in Christ. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Christians are praying. You come forward right now. I'm just going to wait a moment. Some of you lift your hand. You need to come on up. That's right, man. Thank you. We're just going to wait a moment because I'm telling you, the Lord's got some people. He wants to come up here. Christians should be praying, not watching. You're, you're at home, and you're saying, that's me, Owen. God's going to honor you right where you are. Just going to wait a moment. Anybody else, you're like, man, I need to come forward. I'm telling you, God wants you to know him today. Thank you, Jesus. This is the biggest step anybody will ever make, but it's the greatest step. And we'll wait for God to do what he wants to do. Amen? I'm going to ask Pastor Taylor and Pastor Jeff to come up here. Just with your heads bowed today. Man, the Holy Spirit's telling me just to wait. Somebody else is going to come up here. Just going to wait a moment. Just going to wait a moment. Whether you lifted your hand or you didn't, I want you to step out and come forward. We don't usually do this, but the Lord's telling me today to do this. You're like, man, I need this. I need to make this step. It's a bold step. I did this step. I made this big step of stepping out in front of people. Christians are praying. If that's you, would you please come and stand? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Is there anybody else? <laughs> Whoo! We can work and strive all week. We can do all kinds of things to try to keep our houses together. But if we're not seeing people come to Jesus, come on, you're all a part of this. You're all a part of this because you've helped make this place available to them. Anybody else? Anybody else just like, man, I got to get up there. You feel that tug, man. It's just, 
you're nervous, you're feeling, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come on up. Just going to wait a moment. Don't want to miss anybody. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Can I get a lady to come up and help me? Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Okay, if you weren't bold enough to take that step, that's okay. The Holy Spirit can touch you right where you are. But I want everybody to say this prayer. If you're listening by home or watching by live stream or watching this video later, you can make Christ your Lord. But I want these three that have come forward, and I want all of us out loud to make this statement. You're making a declaration. You're inviting Christ into your life and saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. Say this with me out loud. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. You lived a life as an example for me. You went to the cross. You died, but you rose from the grave so that I might have forgiveness of sins. Forgive me, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. You are now my Lord, my Savior. Give me a hunger for your word, a desire to fellowship with believers, and to be an overcomer in temptation. So, Lord, I pray for these and others that have made that statement. God, I pray this solidifies their walk with you. Lord, they understand they are accepted. They matter. They're secure in you, God. And they are significant because you have a purpose and a plan for them. So we just commit them to you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you guys to go with Taylor and Pastor Jeff just for a few moments. Lord, I just pray for all of us, God, that we understand our identity and we allow you to make a difference in our lives as we go forth. Bring somebody next Sunday. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.